Hey listeners, before we start, the artwork for today's episode was provided to me by Christina, the Crescent here, longtime artist collaborator of the show. I picked it because it properly conveys today's conversation. I was just throwing questions at Chris, and all I'd get is, nope. <laughs> So I think the eight ball showing the message nope properly conveys today's episode. Nevertheless, go follow Christina on Instagram at the crescent hair, crescent as the moon, hair as in bunny. And on to the episode now. Hello, my dear fans. Today's guest is one of you. Yes, today's guest is a fan of the show. Also an aspiring cryptid artist, but Chris Galliano has been a fan of my show for a while now, and after every episode he reaches out to me to discuss some very intricate details and how it has influenced his perception of the phenomenon. And as I am a very generous person who also has a lack of people to ask to guest on the show, I told Chris, hey, might as well have you on the show. What are we gonna talk about? I don't know, you? Chris is a pretty shy and introverted individual. This was his first podcast appearance ever, or maybe even his first time speaking in public. Yeah, I need to pick at you, man, a bit. <laughs> but we spent the whole episode kind of peeling away the layers of the onion that is Chris. A very introspective look into what drives us to be attracted to the paranormal and inspired by it to create artwork. It is now like a whole week after I recorded this episode originally, and Chris has been sending me messages every day how our conversation which you are about to listen to has inspired him, changed his perspective on the paranormal and on himself, and how he is utilizing more introspectiveness in his day-to-day -day life. But also, recording this episode and having a very honest conversation with Chris helped me also become more and more introspective. We both reduced ourselves to the bare bones and acted as mirrors reflecting ourselves upon each other. And I can honestly say that recording this episode has, for me and for Chris, been a very spiritual experience. second take due to some audio issues so listeners today with me is another fan of the show but also an artist and um upcoming cryptid artist i hope <laughs> with me today is chris galliano hello chris hey how you doing man um so i just asked you to be on the show because we have been chatting a while you've been listening to the show i think i i followed you back or contacted you because you were sharing all my episodes on your stories and i'm like wow somebody's listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, every now and then you'd post uh, one of your tweets from Twitter and I'd just have to share it because it just felt, it just uh -huh. felt right. Yeah. <laughs> so for the listeners, can you tell us something about yourself? Yeah. So um, like you said, I am an artist and I've been doing a series called Weird Wednesdays on Instagram where each week I cover either a cryptid or just like a case of high strangeness and I do a, a drawing for it. I mostly focus on this specific style called rubber hose or it's kind of like the cuphead style. Mm -hmm. but yeah, I just do that every week. Just brings me joy. So I just want people to see something fun, goofy 
related to the paranormal, I guess. Oh yeah, and some of the iterations of the creatures you portrayed, I find very interesting, especially the Vegetable Man, which was inspired by my episode with Cole. Yeah, yeah. You actually portrayed the Vegetable Man more accurate to the witness description. You made his body even allude to the carrot-like shape. Yeah, I mean, I just saw the like his witness drawing, the sketch that he did, and I just something about it just just made me feel like I had to had to do it, especially after listening to the podcast that you did with Cole. I just couldn't help myself. It, he just looks too too whimsical and just goofy. I had to draw it. <laughs> okay, so I see that you like to draw all these one-off creatures, the likes of which would appear on, let's say, Kryptonaut podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's say, like, through the Veggie Man, what inspires you about the Veggie Man? Like, what makes you choose that monster to, to portray him for one week? Um, I guess for me, it's just, it depends on what the case sounds like. Like if it appeals to me, if it's, if it catches my, my attention, the weirder it is, the better, especially with whatever humanoid or cryptid or whatever it is, however it looks, the weirder it is, it just draws me in. So I literally want to draw it. Okay. And you were, you were telling me off air that you were interested in the paranormal since early childhoods. Now the high strangeness and weird aspect of it, was this also a part of your interest back then or is that something you grew to appreciate um i i guess that more recently i've grown to appreciate it yeah as a kid i used to watch all those like weird shows i think like if i'm remembering one of them right it was like factor fiction or factor faked oh yeah that, that's actually the tv show where the fresno nightcrawlers first debuted yeah and can't remember if it was if that's the correct name but it was like the group of like it was just an eclectic group of people mm-hmm. that would go and try and recreate the footage to figure out whether it was like real or if it was hoaxed or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it's a fact or faked paranormal files. It yeah, was on sci-fi, yeah. I think. I, I find that show very interesting because one of the crew members, they constantly say, oh, he used to work for the FBI. But who yeah. knows what he worked for the FBI? Maybe he was their janitor or something. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he he eventually had another show, which I ended up watching on a Prime Video called UFO Witness. And uh, he covered, I mean, a lot of the big topics, but but he ended up going back to, which is one of my favorites, the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins, like that, the area of the farmhouse and all that. Which is interesting because you did not, I think, you did not portray the goblins yet in your project. No, I have, I have them sketched out, but I, I have not like actually done a full committed drawing to them. Mm-hmm. I included them in a like joined drawing that I did a while back um, for a different podcast that I, I enjoy listening to that they give me a lot of high strangeness cases as well, but. I haven't actually given them their own week yet, but I, they're definitely on the on the list. I have a giant list that just keeps growing and growing after every podcast I listen to. <laughs> uh, is this maybe Bigfoot Collectors Club? I think I saw that. Drawing. Yeah, yeah, I was Bigfoot yeah. Collectors Club. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, so what attracts you about the Hopkinsville Goblin story? Um, I think I mean it's just a, a combination of things. The just how weird the story was, the look of them, how I don't know the the proportions of their body, how like circular their heads are and big their eyes are but then their like arms are definitely not proportionate to the rest of their body mm-hmm. I mean there's just so much weirdness I mean even like they're called like the Hopkinsville goblins but they're obviously not goblins like whatever they are I mean I don't know what they are but they're definitely not goblins I mean maybe I, they I was are. gonna they're, ask you what you think they are I mean I to be honest I couldn't give you an honest answer with like with it because most of this high strangeness stuff like I'm open to believing it but I don't fully know 
know exactly what I believe in, I guess mm-hmm. would be the right way to say it. Cause I like to keep myself open to things, but not fully commit to anything because at the end of the day, I don't really know what's going on. Like I wasn't there. I didn't witness it. I'm just listening to an account, an eyewitness account. So it's hard to put, I guess, a, a full definite answer on that when I wasn't there. Okay. Um, but what if I ask you, what is the goblin in your own personal folklore as Todd Purse would say? Uh, I mean, I guess to me, especially with that case, that almost feels like like how you talk about the trickster element. Like they didn't necessarily do like they caused some sort of terror to, to that family because I mean they obviously had no clue what was going on, but they didn't necessarily hurt anybody. I, as far as I I can recall, they didn't like actually do any physical harm. They were just kind of floating around. I mean, if anything, the family was the one that tried to inflict more harm than anything. They were shooting at them, right? Oh yeah. Imagine if it went to that point that they accidentally shot themselves in the foot or each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the reason I'm asking you all these questions and going into this is because I see you as somebody who is now growing and going through these growing pains of realizations about the paranormal and high strangeness, especially with our own chats, you know, Yeah. throughout these months, you would listen to my podcast, you would start realizing some stuff and then that would totally change your perspective. The last last piece you did was based on the Linda Napolitano or Cortile case, whatever her real name is, Yeah, which you heard on a Bigfoot Collectors Club. I think it's the episode with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, yeah. He's that he's hilarious. But yeah, and then you pointed that out to me and I read the article that you sent me and oh man, that was just such a bummer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so like, for for the listeners for, for context, I, I find this very amusing because Chris is like, if I remember myself like a few months or a few years ago and all this stuff when I was, you know, very excited about this stuff and I'd believe, believe the Linda Napolitano case. Actually, that case mesmerized me as a, as a child. I've been aware of it like since I was a small child. The whole case is miraculous as a story. Like this woman is being abducted by aliens and has like 20 or something witnesses seeing this occur from the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, yeah. In, in New York City. And usually these alien abductions occur in rural places. So like, wow, in the center of New York City. And when you go into that and when you start researching, okay, it's associated with Bud Hopkins. Uh, I wanted to read the book that is based on the case, Witnessed. Yeah, well, Witnessed, yeah. yeah. yeah I... It's his third book. And it's very hard to find the book. It's not even available on Kindle. And once you get into the case, you realize, yeah, there's a reason for that. <laughs> Even when the book came out, everybody criticized it. And uh, even then people knew it was probably a hoax. Yeah. I mean, I had I, in that article that, that you'd sent me that I read, it was, I mean, it was just so bubble bursting, like really how, I mean, I didn't know much about the case other than what I had listened to, um, mm-hmm. but it just seemed so like, just, I don't know, incredible. And like, like so many people were calling it just the, what was it? Like the most credible mm-hmm. UFO or abduction case in UFO history. And I was just, just astounded. And then reading that article and realizing like just how much she, I mean, from what she was talking about um i forget and, what and for, for the listeners the article i sent chris is from carol rainey who is the ex-wife of bud hopkins and the article was in paratopia magazine of jeff ritzman and jeremy vaney when they were exposing the emma wood situation related to J- david jacobs and carol rainey was exposing some stuff about bud hopkins there's a lot of stuff in that article but she does touch upon uh linda cortile and how she would let's say call bud on the phone and pretend to be her own cousin. Yeah, that was just like, 
Oh my God. So shocking. I can't believe she would, she could think that she would get away with that. Like, I mean, there's only so much you can do to disguise your voice. And then, I mean, to lie about it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that's still, you can use that as evidence. Oh, that the whole thing is a lie, but you know, yeah. these details paint a more clearer picture of what people are like. Also like with Linda Cortile or Napolitano, see, like you, you don't know what's her real name. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was always this idea, even back then, I think a rumor that her and Bud were essentially hoaxing or confabulating this whole story. So they may get a movie deal. So they may split the money between themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you say, like what you attracted you about the case is it's a grandiose cinematic feel. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and just, I mean, not just that, but even like the fact that, I mean, supposedly they had so many eyewitnesses, but then reading that same article that you'd sent, I, I'm almost positive in it. It said that they weren't even face to face, like recountings. It was mostly like written or I think maybe by email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I can't see how you could, how you vet those if you haven't even met with them face to face. Like, okay. But how does that, this now make you feel you, you dedicated a whole week to that case. It mesmerized you. Does that maybe cancel out what you felt about that case and that, that whole wonder inside of you? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, mm-hmm. that case, while it, it probably isn't true, I guess at, at the end of the day, based off what I, what I read, it doesn't cancel out any of the wonder because all those feelings and just the thoughts that, that I got from both listening to the podcast and reading a little bit about the case, I mean, it still gave me... Uh, I guess uh, it painted a picture in my head. It still made me think more about the reality that we live in and like different things that could possibly happen. And at the end of the day, most of these cases that I cover in the drawings, I mean, that's what I that's what I look for. I just I want something to kind of spark that creativity or that uh, I guess, as Todd would say, like the imaginal thinking. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it, it might not be real, but it still gave me some feeling. So that at the end of the day, that's what I take. Yeah, that's why I love uh, talking with artists on this show. I mean, even the title of my show, Tracing Owls, kind of conveys arts and crafts, you know, like tracing mm-hmm. outlines of owls. And it started uh, with me and Christina, the Crescent here, who's also an artist, just talking about how these things inspire us. So from the get-go, my, my podcast has been oriented a lot towards art and artists and our artistic impressions of these, you know, cases and how they, they influence us. So that's why I asked you, like regardless if this is a hoax and a hoax from a very controversial guy who I don't yeah. like anymore <laughs> because yeah. he broke my heart uh, but still like this sense of wonder that I felt as a child towards that case brought me to this point where I am now talking to you about the same case and it also inspired you so I don't know it's like even if something is not real it's still a, a breadcrumb that that just points you towards more breadcrumbs and maybe in the end, you'll just be following breadcrumbs throughout your whole life and enjoying the journey because there is no destination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what mostly I, I get from this. Like, I mean, even if no one is looking at any of these pieces that I do, because I mean, that's not really why I do it. I, I do it because it brings brings me a sense of joy, like just looking into all these weird things and seeing how how I would draw it or how how I could maybe come up with the, the essence of that story in almost like a childish, whimsical, goofy way. 
way once I see a finished piece or it just makes me happy. Like that's at the end of the day why I do it. Oh, I wanted to ask you. So now that you're bringing that up, did your interest in the paranormal increase maybe after having children? Um, Sort of. I mean, I would definitely say I, I had after college, it was probably more peaked because I had a lot more time to just think about things and like listen to stuff. After having a kid, I mean, I, I will say that you definitely want to answer a lot more questions that you have. I mean, no one is ever going to know every answer to every question that could possibly be said or asked, especially now that, yeah, that my daughter's getting a little older, she's talking more and she's just constantly asking questions. And she's still young enough where she doesn't necessarily like, she doesn't formulate like the biggest questions, but just constantly asking questions. And I'm, I'm just realizing that, I mean, I, I want to know more so that way I can, I guess, impart that on her. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she can continue in that line of thinking or just go on her own journey eventually. That's what we all want. And I can imagine even the the very, very childish questions that you may uh, hear oftentimes kind of spark these ideas in your head and make you ponder. Like I know Todd once said one of his kids asked him like, how famous is water? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, she's definitely not, she's not there yet. It's mostly just a bunch of like, why, why? Mm -hmm. Well, that's very important. Even you yourself would be asking yourself why, whatever you're thinking of, why, why? It's just an endless loop. I mean, it's definitely a good uh, thought training exercise. Like the more she asks me why I've noticed, I continue to ask myself why I do certain things or I I start getting a little bit more introspective. Um, Hmm. Very interesting. So, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I I can empathize. Empathize with that situation where this little carbon copy of yourself, like I can imagine parents who have who have little kids see their own characteristics expressed through those children, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're thinking to yourself like, wow, that's another me. Am I like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also just crazy to see like just the the progression of time, how like I feel like before having a kid, like you'd notice time going by, but like having a kid, you just see the actual like time progressing so quickly in front of you. Yes. It's 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 baffling. And also like the this kid uh, as I wanted to say is kind of a mirror um reflecting back at you this introspection just with with yeah. silly questions of why. And then you're you're thinking about it and pondering how are how am I going to answer this to a carbon copy of myself? And through doing that, you're you're trying to even answer these questions to yourself, not just to your child. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I, I do feel like people become drawn to the esoteric, paranormal, spiritual, whatever more after they have children because of all these elements <laughs> playing a role in all this. Yeah, I mean, I will say I was definitely very strongly atheistically leaning. Um, Mm -hmm. before having a kid, especially also listening to just so many different podcasts. And it's opened my mind up to thinking a little bit more. I mean, like I said before, I don't, I I have no clue what is actually going on. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone really knows what's going on. So I can't, I can't land on that definite. Okay. But, but why do you feel it is your, even your purpose to ever know what's going on? Why are you self-criticizing now for not knowing what's going on? Um, I, I don't feel like I have to know it's more of like a like a want 
Like, he, mm-hmm. I think it was, I know it was on one of your podcasts recently that I listened to that you were talking about the feeling of, like, in the X-Files, the whole I want to believe, like, mm-hmm. like how, um, I believe you said it was almost like a, a little bit like childish or like... Uh, selfish. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, maybe that is a little selfish of me for wanting to know that. I, it's just something that I'm always going to seek. It, it's something, I guess, innate in me that I, I just, I feel that that drive to just want to know. I know that I probably will never fully know, but I'm still going to keep going towards that. Okay. So does your art allow you, do you feel, does it allow you to engage with the phenomenon? Um, I guess in a way, I mean, like you deal a lot with the, with archetypes and just uh, the, I guess, ideology of all these kinds of things. So in a sense, me creating these pieces is sort of like me addressing the phenomenon and like the archetype of whatever being I'm illustrating that week. But I I don't know if I necessarily feel like it, I'm engaging with it because not that there's any effects from it. Like I I don't expect anything to, to, for it to affect my life in any sort of way, but I guess I I felt like maybe something like that would happen, but I mean, obviously it hasn't. Okay, but you did allude to earlier that when you are drawing these things, you have this need to see like, in a way, what your version of the monster would be. Like, how would this look like if it was filtered through you? So does art allow you to kind of maybe domesticate these entities, make them your own? in a way, or allow you to imprint yourself onto the phenomenon by providing it a different mask or a different outfit. Yeah, I mean, I get I'd never thought about it that way. But I guess yeah, I mean, in a sense, I'm sort of making it my own, even though I mean, it's not really mine, but I'm depicting it in a way that I would find, um, I guess, appealing or something that yeah, that I guess is my mm. own. Oh, wow. That got me pondering now, man. Ah, I'm learning something new. Mm -hmm. Um, People who draw all these things, like, do do we draw this because we don't know what the heck is going on? And there's so much, you know, so much going on that we cannot wrap our heads around this. So we want to reduce it to our own vision of the phenomenon that makes sense to us. Like, I talk a lot with Christina, and you heard her on the Cryptids roundtable we had on Jordan's show. And you know how she said, like, she wants to portray cryptids more, let's say, natural, uh, like what role they will assume in the natural world if they ag- actually existed in a forest somewhere, because that's how all these monsters make sense to her in her yeah. worldview. Mm-hmm. Very interesting and very archetypal again. <laughs> also, I want to ask, like... <laughs> Did you expect uh, when you're appearing on my show that you would be bombarded with such questions that would uh, make you question your own perception of the phenomenon? (laughs) I mean, I guess, yeah, in a sort of way. I mean, your podcast in itself usually brings so many questions within me. And I I message you about it usually after, I want to say almost every podcast of yours that I listen to. Yeah. um, It just gives me a new perspective to think about. And I mean, now that you hit me with those questions, I mean, now I'm looking at my all these creatures that I have and I'm almost seeing seeing them in a way of like, like taking the the horror out of the stories and thinking of to myself, like, why, why do I want to do that? Okay, but do, do you, uh, do you perceive the paranormal as scary or terrifying? 
I mean, by based off of like the the witness accounts, I, I would say a lot of them are usually pretty terrifying when the person's going through it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, most of the Mothman stories sound terrifying. Like, I've been listening to to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. I've been listening to their whole series on the Mothman phenomenon. I mean, all of those stories sound pretty scary. Like, I, if you encountered the Mothman in real life, you it, it'd be terrifying. Is that the role that you want the monster to assume? In- your life and in your head canon, let's say. No, no. Do you want these monsters to assume the role of a terrifying figure in your life? Or are you trying to convert them into something else that maybe, I don't want to say appeals more to you, but that has a much more beneficial role in your life? Yeah, I get, I mean, in a way, I'm almost turning them into this, like, I mean, obviously, because it's a cartoon, but almost like this, like, stylized cartoon character where it's, it, it could almost be set in a childish kind of view like like a character where it, it might be a, a like the veggie man that I did like mm-hmm. he definitely has this menacing look to him but if a little kid looked at it it might it might be off-putting but it's not going to be like completely horrifying to them and maybe that's because I have a little kid that I'm more gearing towards that style okay is it maybe an element of you trying to protect your child in a way from the terrifying aspects of what lurks in the shadows <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe she's still too young to necessarily grasp, I mean, uh, all of these things. Like once she gets a little bit older, this is something that I could show her and kind of talk to her and like slowly lean her into these weird cases, but in a way where it won't just totally scar her. (laughs) Um, One detail I liked about the Veggie Man, and I'm interested, like, what your idea was there. So we all know that the most terrifying thing about the Veggie Man are the needle-like fingers and the suction cup that is usually portrayed as some kind of disc or something. So, you know, when you see it, it is very apparent that it's terrifying. Yet you try to kind of not make the suction cups discs, but rather like they are concealing the needle-like fingers. So at first glance, until you realize those are needles, like the Veggie Man looks, as you said, more of like a cartoon character because the most terrifying aspect is concealed, is hidden. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just uh, partly or mostly, I guess that's the style. They, mostly in that art style, the fingers and like other things like that are usually drawn kind of... Uh, like sausage-like. Tube-like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I kept it closer to that style. But yeah, I mean, it's not as terrifying as like a full suction cup would look. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, you know, in Jurassic Park, that Dilophosaurus, a very inaccurate portrayal of it, that the one that has a frill around its neck. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I see it like that at first glance, you know, without the frill, oh, it looks friendly. And then when it opens up the frill, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's like the Veggie Man w- with his fingers on your on your sh- drawing. Like, okay, may- maybe I want to play around with this thing. It looks friendly, but I know at a certain point those fingers will open up like the frills of the Dil- Dilophosaurus in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely very dangerous. You don't want to be messing around with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna edit this out, but I'm I'm thinking what 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 we should. Is there anything you want to go into? Um. I mean, we could go into the Georgia cryptids. Oh, but the this personal stuff is more fun. <laughs> do you okay. feel? Do you feel kind of you know on the spotlight? Is it making you feel agitated or something? No, no. I, I actually feel good. I I think I was just more so nervous to start, but the more uh-huh. we talk, the easier it gets. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't edit that out at all. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I love this conversation because it's reflecting a lot about about ourselves, and I think it's very important to have these kind of converse casual conversations with casual people. Like, it does not always need to be a researcher or expert or experience or a podcaster. Just have a fan on and talk about what why the fan is attracted to all this high strangeness. Yeah, I mean, I will say that's like I listened to the episode that you had with uh, Cassie. I think. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely, it was different. Like I, I've never heard of any of the other podcasts that I've ever listened to just bring on a fan to talk. And it was nice. Like it was, it was interesting to hear. Obviously there was some darker stuff that was yeah. in that episode, but I mean, it just made it feel more, more real, more like grounded and not so like. Well, I, I, I think like the paranormal does not just belong to experiencers and researchers, you know, it belongs yeah. to everybody. It is an integral part. Part of the human condition everybody perceives it in a different way it plays a different role in everybody's life for some it is a very you know more superficial thing others are much deep into it but i i like to treat everybody equally and everybody is on equal playing ground for me like as long as this subject matter is influencing us in a way that is very meaningful however intense the influence is yeah yeah just that <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I just like oh, I just blanked on what I was gonna say. Ah, no worries. But yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> I I cut all this out. But okay, so which podcast do you listen to? Um, so I have like I love listening to the the comedy ones, the some of the high strangest ones. I mean, I can list them off, but I, I listen to quite a few. Like I said, I I work a ten hour, four day a week job where I do mindless things. So to keep myself sane, I listen to all these podcasts to you know just keep my mind flowing keep the the thoughts going mm-hmm. um my uh brother-in-law he's actually really into high strangeness stuff as well so he's kind of shown me a couple of other podcasts that are they're they're a little bit more like um i guess structured like i i definitely love listening to the more conversational type podcasts but every now and again i'll listen to the more structured podcasts um like one that is coming to mind is, is i think it's like point of convergence and uh limit frames it's the same host he he's on both of those but um his perspective is really interesting to just listen to and again just expand my way of thinking i don't know if you've ever have you ever have you had a chance to listen to no not really i have not heard of those no but i am as you know a very anti-structure guy yeah <laughs> i rarely listen to structured episodes yeah i i only ask because i remember a while back i had seen that you had left a comment it was one of your like twitter screenshots mm-hmm. and the comment that you had left it under was that same host of that podcast. Uh, he he calls himself Exo Academian. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really. That's why I was wondering if you if you did listen to it. But I think it's just because he's really involved in like the whole UFO Twitter. Like I, I don't I don't really get into any of that. <laughs> I'm about to have I, I, if he proceeds with it, Puxley on again because yeah. he is a UFO Twitter troll, and so was I when I joined Twitter. And we're yeah. gonna make an episode about UFO Twitter. <laughs> well, I can't wait to listen to that one then because I, I don't really know much about it. Just like, I mean, I, I know that 
that specific host, like he invites people to come talk because he wants it to be more grounded and more open to discussion and not so like, I guess, hostile, maybe like maybe there's a lot of infighting. Um, Mm -hmm. I know within the paranormal, there's there's always infighting like Jordan from Campfires. I love when he talks about orbs because I mean, it's I never thought about it in that way, but it's so true how like if you see an orb in a house, it's a ghost or like poltergeist activity. But if you see an orb somewhere else, it could be a UFO or it's related to even Bigfoot cases and all that. But people just want to section it off into their own little categories and just reject whatever else doesn't fit into what they want. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a huge problem. But then again, uh, the paranormal is a tool that everybody uses to make sense of, of the reality of around them in their own way. So it's like language. I had a linguistic professor yesterday on the show. I don't know when the episode so it'll go out. But we talked in depth about how language is used as a tool. And so is paranormality if it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you like this project that you're doing when before we started recording, you were telling me, okay, it's not a big deal. Like I'm just doing fun characters every week. But I told you like, dude, you are investing your time and effort to consistently draw a new monster every week at the same day. So that's very, very ritualistic. So how can you think that it is not significant or important because it is influencing your life? You're scheduling your life around this ritual. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just don't see it. I mean, I, I understand how it, it is very ritualistic because I do make an effort to, I, I mean, I've been consistent with it. I make sure to do that post every single Wednesday. It's probably been at least a couple months now. I don't know. I guess it's just because I, I only think about it as something for me. So I don't see it as this like grand thing. But but it isn't something for you already in itself a very grand thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Oh man, I, I'm I, like, I'm gonna give you a few months, but interacting with me, you're gonna become more introspective. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you already listen to my show, and anybody who's afraid of being introspective would not be a fan of my show. Yeah, I would definitely say that's true. Do you feel since you started this project and since you've been doing it very ritualistically that your creativity has maybe increased or declined? Um, I feel like it it kind of I don't know, it uh it comes and goes. Like some some weeks I'll just be really like just feeling it and I'll, I'll sketch out multiple characters and then some some weeks I'm just feeling a little bit of a like creative drought. I just can't seem to draw properly. I guess. I mean, for the most part, I would say that doing these, the more I've done it, the and that comes with just practice, the easier it has gotten. And I mean, it, it has had more of a positive creative influence on me. I mean, yeah, dedicating it. Like you said, it is a, a ritual. So dedicating each week to thinking about all these things and even just thinking about how I would come up with the drawing. I mean, it makes me focus more and more on the paranormal. And that just makes me think more about how I think about it. Okay. And has your life maybe become weirder through these past months? Um, I would love to say yes, but I mean, honestly, not really. I mean, things are still still pretty, pretty the same, pretty normal. Yeah. And that's totally valid. I do not ask my question expecting an answer that I want to hear Yeah, um, because it's very important 
to showcase everybody's perception and opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, I was recently talking with an experiencer because he is into CE5s, you know, but he already went into that already manifesting UFOs around himself. So that did not allow him to have paranormal experiences because he went into it already with them. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, like, for some people, these things work. Uh, some other people try everything available to them and never experience anything. So it's a very personal thing, you know, yeah. and there is no rule like you need to do this or that in order to make your life weirder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean every now and again i'll have like a and i think this is just like the odds of it happening are just too high but every now and again you'll get like a, a weird little synchronicity happen and you mm -hmm. kind of just make note of it but obviously you can't just rule your life on these tiny little synchronicities like yeah yeah they just happen you did tell me that you had one kind of paranormal experience do you want to share that yeah i mean i don't I guess it technically counts as a paranormal experience, but I honestly feel like it, it was probably just my brain being a little sleep deprived. And that is totally valid. Even a sleep deprived brain can tell you stuff that you otherwise would not hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. So I was driving home one day and I was headed down a road. It, was, it wasn't too busy. It was probably... I want to say it was later at night. I think I had pulled like an all-nighter or something. And uh, I was driving and I noticed like a... I guess sort of like a like a shadow entity like a person it looked like a person wearing like a hoodie they were just like in the middle of the road like crossing it uh -huh. but then like I didn't really get a very good look because they were pretty far away I mean I I'm not very good with like distance so I don't I couldn't give you like an actual measurement oh and I'm, I'm not asking for an actual measurement you know that I'm yeah. not a nuts and bolts yeah. guy <laughs> I had a, a car coming the opposite way and their headlights like flashed me in the eyes sort of. So I, you know, blinked or kind of looked away and then there just wasn't anything there anymore. How, how did this make you feel? Now that's what I'm interested in. I mean, it kind of weirded me out. I didn't, I told someone about it and I mean, they, I think they got a little bit more weirded out by it. I just didn't pay too much attention to it. Like I usually just try to shrug those things off and maybe that's almost like a, a self-defense mechanism maybe. So I don't weird myself out about it every now and again you have those like weird occurrences where something happens and you kind of just like uh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna shrug that off so that way i don't i don't pay it too much attention do you think think if you paid attention that it would kind of distract you from reality or your course in life um no, I, I don't think so. I just, I don't want to pay too much attention to it. Cause I mean, you know, with all this kind of stuff, like the more energy you feed it, the more, I guess, like the more possibility it is to occur. And with that in specific, like with the whole shadow people kind of stuff, like that stuff just freaks me out. So I, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Like I, I'd much rather not experience anything past that one little tiny experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you, so you said your parents are Catholic. Did you have a Catholic upbringing? Um, yeah, my my dad more so. He's he's definitely a lot more um, leaning towards the like Catholic Christian, however you want to describe it. But I definitely went to church every Sunday growing up. I I was baptized, did my communion, but after a certain point, I just like I guess I I just lost. It felt more like um like forced in a sense. Like I I wasn't doing it because I I was 
feeling, the feeling that everyone gets when they, I guess, who believes in God and all that, like that they go to church every week. Like it just felt more forced. So Mm -hmm. I I was never really, never drawn to that. And it it dropped off pretty quick once I got into like, I'd say probably high school. I honestly feel like maybe that whole like regimented, like religious upbringing. I mean, it probably pushed me a little bit towards, especially high school and early college being so harshly like atheist and like just feeling that need to rebel against that. Do you find now in your adult life that the religious stuff kind of re-emerges subtly? Um, I, I see the value in the religious stuff. Like the more I listen to all these podcasts and they talk about stories and the mythologies and just the weird stuff that happens. And I even listen to like how... Uh, I mean, we, the book that's, that everyone reads and just idolizes as far as like the Bible, like, I mean, it's been broken down so many times and just translated and we, us like that are living now, like we have no clue what actually happened back then. And for all we know, those could have been just high strangeness accounts. And Uh, I have this idea. I talked with Jordan a lot about this because Jordan is a historian. Like, is there really a way to actually know what happened to his in history or is history like just a modern what what we perceive as history a modern retelling of history so we may use it as kind of a moral story or fairy tale or whatever uh, so it can propel us into the future yeah i i mean i could definitely see the the value in that i mean i know a lot of people even the people who practice like biblical teachings most of them look at it more allegorically rather than taking it literally as more of just like a way to to live your life I guess in the best way possible and I can see the value in that if there are like positive things that you can take from anything why wouldn't you and also just for your information I'm also atheist <laughs> yeah yeah I I very much know that <laughs> I, I just want to make um, sure that you are not trying to kind of please me thinking that I'm also <laughs> religious or something no 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 no, no okay no. I, I never try to do that I mean you, you can't live your life pleasing everybody Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, that's why I like most of the questions I asked you. You were immediately no or not really. I know the listeners will be like thinking, "Wow, this Vuk is a is an asshole." Like trying to <laughs> sway the conversation to his side, but I think it's very important that you're saying no and sticking to your own uh, answers because that then sh- reflects back that all of this stuff is much more complex and even the reasoning why people are attracted to high strangeness um, and how we utilize it in our lives. Very interesting. Very interesting. I can't reduce any, I can't reduce all people interested in this stuff to just, you know, one type of mindset and one psychological framework of thinking or whatever. Everybody is so complicated and so different and we all use this in different ways. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting to just think about, I mean, even like going back to the question that you first started asking me about what drew me into this like it's crazy to think about every person that is interested in the paranormal has a specific story or or maybe not even maybe it was just like something that just just happened to them at some point or they just grew up with it like like I think about now like my daughter like is she going to be interested in this when she grows up like for all I know maybe this is going to be 
almost like have the same effect that uh, my parents had or not my parents, but I guess my upbringing had with the mm-hmm. with the religious stuff. So maybe maybe she's going to be rebelling against her father. Like, no, <laughs> I'm going to be strictly materialist scientific. Exactly. Like she's just going to just go so hard against the woo and just just <laughs> not care about it at all because I talked her ear too much off about it. Okay. So are you still atheist? Do you still consider yourself atheist? Um, no, I, I don't think so. It goes back to the whole me feeling like I, I just don't know. So I can't for sure say there isn't something out there. Yeah. I just, I, I, I don't feel like I'm an atheist at this point. Cause if, if I can't for sure give you that definite, like, nope, there's nothing out there, then I just don't feel like it'd be right for me to, to say that. I wanted to ask, like, if you were to say, yes, I'm an atheist, like, are you then spiritual? Because I, I'm very interested in asking more atheists such as myself, like, are you spiritual, even though you're an yeah. atheist? Yeah. I mean, and I guess that's that's the word that I would use, I guess, is that I, I'm more spiritual, but I don't know. That's just got like such a... <laughs> such a new agey feel. Yeah, it's so cliche. Like, it just feels just like it... It feels... I, I, I understand exactly. It feels like you are reducing yourself to a certain yeah. type. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I, I guess the the whole sense of me being open to just believing in and really just listening. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's what it is. Like, I just I just enjoy listening. I, I like <laughs> listening to all these stories. I like listening to all these different kinds of perspectives. Like, and I'm laughing because you are a listener. Yeah, and this exactly. is the first time you're you're on the spotlight as a, a speaker. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Yeah, I mean. Especially like when I first, I mean, the first time I heard you talk was on, it was on Campfire and I had never heard of the, I don't think I had, maybe I had and I just, I was in a different place in my life and I didn't pay much attention to it, but I had never heard about the whole Gaia hypothesis and all that. I feel like for like a month, I could not stop just thinking and talking about that. Like, like my wife was getting so tired of me talking to her about it because (laughs) It was just like, I don't know, it was so mind-blowing. I even, when I ended up visiting my uh, brother-in-law uh, like a month or two ago, I we had a long car ride and we were just, just going back and forth talking about all this stuff and I brought you up because I was just like, man, I, like this guy, I just feel like there's something right about the whole Gaia hypothesis stuff. Like it, something about it was like really pulling me in. I mean, it still is. It's something that I still think about, but there's just something about that feeling of, I don't know, that connection like that. I didn't even know how to put it into words, but something about it feels right. Okay, so you know what comforts me about the Gaia hypothesis? It's the idea that I am not myself and that that's okay. (laughs) That uh, the world does not revolve around me and that I am not carrying the world on my back. If I yeah. if I'm a screw up in my life, like that's okay because I'm just one finger on a giant hand, you know, of something else. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's definitely like made me rethink a lot of things that I just like I felt were like not put too much attention on little things that happen. Like it's like even listening to um like Todd Purse's podcast, I haven't looked too much into it. I really need to, but the whole monism and like I don't know like his his whole just vibe that he has he just has this like inner calmness that i i get from listening to his podcast and listening especially to you guys talk like 
I don't know, something about it, like it puts a lot of things into a different perspective for me where I almost like just stop sweating all the little things. There's just so much stuff going on and like so much that we don't know about that a little spilled cup of water doesn't seem as meaningful and I don't need to give it so much of my like emotion or attention. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I also want to point out that Todd Purse has influenced me a lot and I have mm-hmm. influenced him and we talk together and we change each other because I see every living thing here on this planet as interconnected in a giant ecosystem. Uh, I am not myself, but I'm an accumulation of, okay, let's say myself, but also all of the influences from my ecological surroundings and all my friends and all the living things around me and the climate and whatever, you know, all of these thousands of factors that go into who I am because I am not my, myself. I am an, also a collective imprint of all of these factors that influence my my life. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them being Todd also, you know. So I find it interesting how myself and Todd uh, change each other because we are an interconnected ecosystem. I am him and he is me, you know. (laughs) Yeah, You know, that sounds very woo and new agey, but we change each other and then we go on and share these ideas, which I mean, are they really my ideas or is it my idea that was imprinted by Todd's ideas and formed a new idea? And then you listen to it and then that changes you and so on and so on. So the point of the Gaia hypothesis is that we are all interconnected and nobody is a single autonomous isolated entity, but we are all entities in in a kind of symbiosis that influence each other. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, like, what I just took from that is that so we are just a collection of experiences that then feed into that that consciousness and just help it grow. Yeah. Have you have you ever? Um, I'm sure you have because I, I feel like you you definitely are well read from what I've like gathered. But have you heard of that story? I want to say it was called the egg. Maybe is okay. it called the egg? It's like this um this story. Man, I, I really wish I would have looked this up before talking. But basically, it was almost like explaining how this god figure becomes a god by being every single person's experience. So like you constantly get reincarnated as like every single living person that has ever or will ever exist and Mm -hmm. from the combination of all those experiences you eventually become a god when i I think that's the video on youtube that's animated oh it is i could have sworn it was a story but i mean regardless Mm -hmm. like when i heard when when you talked about the the guy in like uh the guy hypothesis that's the first thing that i thought of because i mean i don't know it just felt so like so closely like woven together like i mean in a sense i mean it is if we're all just like the fingers to this giant hand and our experiences feed into that consciousness yeah but do do you want to be the hand or are you okay with being the finger of the hand like if you are a part of god are you also god because of you, you are a part of god even though you are not the overarching god um, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm fine being just the, the finger. I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible phrasing, but at the end of the day, all the experiences that I have gone through or have gathered throughout my entire life, I mean, if it, if it feeds into something that, uh, I don't know, that's much bigger and grander than me. I but mean, the, the, I want to say it feeds into something that is you because you are an extension of it. It's not like you are being 
being harnessed by some other entity. You are being harnessed by the overarching you. You are, you are just an extension of something greater than yourself, but it's still a part of you. So then, I mean, the question that you asked me of whether, like, so then I am, I'm both me and in that example, both me and the God. I mean, if I'm an extension of it, but it is also me. Oh man, yeah, I think you just broke my brain. <laughs> That's why I had you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, got there after an hour, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I honestly, I'm a, I'm a little, a uh, little, a. Uh, speechless i don't really know what to say right now yeah i mean that that's the usual reaction yeah it's maybe easier for me to understand this because i have dedicated a solid portion of my life to studying biology and evolutionary processes and uh, you know what broke me okay i'm gonna be like say my story here like why i started turning to the paranormal and the gaia hypothesis is because for my last show darwin's deviations mm -hmm. i was doing an episode about the evolution of multicellularity like how one single-celled organism became a whole conglomerated community that became an organism itself you know mm -hmm. and researching that like i was heavily deeply depressed for like two weeks because I was coming to these realizations of what is an individual? Am I an individual? Is my cell an individual? But my, my, my cells used to be individuals for themselves until they conglomerated to become me. Am I a part of something greater than myself? You know, all these questions like who am I and what is individuality at all? Like yeah. if you look through a microscope, you will see millions of other individuals. Is it just, does it, is it dependent on uh, how close up we are <laughs> observing nature? I don't know. So that broke my mind. And that's the point where I started opening up to more <laughs> paranormal stuff and uh, to the Gaia hypothesis as well. Yeah, I feel like like from that, it made me think of, I'm almost positive it was on your podcast. It was brought up how your cells regenerate and basically the same me that is sitting here talking to you. I mean, what is it like? Maybe like a week or two from now, those same cells that are here right now aren't going to be the same exact cells. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They die off. They're constantly replaced, but you you remain you. I mean, with with Gaia, if you look at Gaia as you know a collection of everything living on this planet, like living things die from old age and are replaced by the new generations, but Gaia remains Gaia. Yeah, I mean, the, I know you because you've said that you you haven't had a chance to read the the new Joshua Kutchin book. No. Right. And there, there is yeah. a reason. I even told Josh uh, the other day. Um, I told him like I I want you on my podcast, but when I feel that I need to read the book because it. I know it is a book that will change my life. Yeah. And it is something that I need to be in the mindset to absorb properly because if I read a book like I'm studying something for college, you know, just going mm -hmm. through it, there's no, no point in doing that. I don't want to read his book, which is very personal to him, you know, a reflection yeah. of, of his own belief system in a way. I don't want to read it like that. I want to be very prepared. Yeah. I, that's another one of those books that I like, I, I really feel, I feel a draw towards it just because especially like, before I had this strong resurgence of wanting to look into the paranormal again, I was um, very much looking into, uh, not looking into, but listening to a lot of podcasts surrounding uh, like death and stuff like that. I I had like a close uh, family member. Uh, it was my grandpa, which ironically, I know that you mm -hmm. have like that. Yeah. 
Um, but uh, it, it, it there was a lot of stuff going on around that time, and he eventually passed. Um, like it, it wasn't like a like a sudden thing. It was a, a slow, steady decline. I feel like I've I've always had this. Um, it sounds so weird to call it. I I don't want to say fascination, but it's almost like a an intrigue with death and like especially in college. I had a lot of my my art centered around like the motif of death and i just feel this strong draw to read that book just because i mean i know he goes into so many things dealing with death and the paranormal and like uh ndes and i need to read it i just i I haven't yet that's why i was i was just wondering Mm -hmm. if you had i have not and uh by the time i release this episode probably it will be released but todd purse uh did an episode with joshua kutchen it's up on his patreon like right now yeah i just saw it okay Yeah, I, today. I, I was I was actually listening to it before uh, doing this. Wow, what a synchronicity! And yeah, you, I don't know if you listened to it, but at the very start, they say how Joshua Cutchin's book is a synchronicity generator. Wow, no, I well, I haven't had the chance to listen to that one yet. I've listened to him be interviewed. What was it on Six Degrees of John mm-hmm. Keel and yeah. uh, Campfire? Yes, um, it's definitely. I, I I like listening to him talk. He's got a his thoughts and his thought processes. It's very interesting. I'm hoping I can. I mean, I can always find the time to have him on the show and he said like whenever i want he's gonna be on but i want to be i don't know i want to be spiritually prepared for that i see i like even if if this audio gets corrupted that we're now making i don't care like i'm having a spiritual experience now sitting down and talking with you Mm -hmm. and we're we're just recording like you know what what i do with my podcast now i I don't care if anybody's gonna listen to it or not i just use the podcast as as a reason to sit down and talk with people like who's gonna <laughs> come on and and talk with me especially like say a phd or or a researcher or somebody you know who's gonna come and talk with me if it's not for the benefit of of a, sh- of a show where i can share their voice out there you know yeah yeah i mean that's true i can't ask somebody for private uh, lessons or therapy or whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i feel like yeah with, with you maybe that's why i'm so drawn to the podcast is because it's just like you don't necessarily it's almost the same way that i do my art and maybe that's why i feel so drawn to your podcast is because like you do it for you like you you make whatever content you want you like you talk to whoever you want to just because you're you're almost like compiling all these like experiences within yourself mm-hmm. i'm being imprinted by all the people because as we said like you are you are not you you are a collection of all the imprints and experiences that you accumulate through life mm-hmm. and i like talking with people with like every guest i have i come out of the podcast like there always is a mutual exchange people tell me like after having a conversation with me that they have changed their outlook on something and so have i it's, it's definitely i feel like with uh the paranormal i'm i'm more open to talking to people i'm usually very introverted in in like just my daily life oh yeah and on this podcast as well <laughs> yeah exactly i don't i don't talk much i'm i'm not a very like a uh, I don't even know if this is a word, conversational person, but when it comes to the paranormal, it's just something that, that makes it a little easier to open up to people and talk about. Like, I may not talk to many people, but I will definitely ask people like, oh, have you uh, you ever had anything weird hmm. happen? Like anything paranormal? Just because it's, it's, it's interesting to see how people, one, what they've experienced and two, what, like how they reacted to it. Okay. So I yesterday interviewed the doctor in linguistics, uh, Mm-hmm. who uh, wrote the whole book on the Popo Bawa. 
I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah, I saw that they had commented about your mm-hmm. yes, about your episode. Yeah. yeah, I had them on the show. And they wrote a book about the Popobawa through linguistics, like how you people use talk about the Popobawa to, let's say, transgress societal taboos through language. Like instead of talking directly about sexual stuff, you will talk like about the Popobawa or make gay sex jokes about the Popobawa and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just... <laughs> sexual stuff it's a political stuff it's like people use popobawa to convey the sense of authority like they're an expert in something the book is very very complex it's a very academic book and the whole point is they want to convey the popobawa as a very complicated linguistic tool that people use in various different ways for various different reasons now i had them on the show yesterday and i talked with them about this mm-hmm. um i am now aware of how the supernatural and the paranormal can be used as as a linguistic tool to open up a conversation or talk safely about things. So what you're telling me now is is conveying this idea that, yeah, I am introverted, but the supernatural allows me to transgress my introversion and start, start conversations with people indirectly about supernatural stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a topic that it's so fascinating to me to hear. I mean, I, I listen to podcasts even about like, um, do you know uh monsters among us or mm-hmm. um yeah and jim harold's campfire like yeah i'll listen to those just because it's so interesting to hear all these like just it's one thing to read it but to hear it from someone it, it's you get a completely like you get the emotion that they were feeling you get you get so much more out of hearing it rather than reading it off of off of a book Exactly. Um, When I had Puxley on, the episode is almost three hours because I did not Mm -hmm. edit anything out. Like I left every breath, every hesitation. And now it's my second most listened episode. The first one is the Jeremy Vaney one, which is Mm -hmm. also an experiencer episode that is uncut. Yeah. So it looks like people really like listening to raw, uncut experiencers talking about how they feel about this stuff. I mean, yeah, I I feel like if it it almost it corrupt the story to to do any sort of edits like if if you were to edit it you wouldn't get the full that full feeling that i that i'm talking about like you need a you need those pauses or those breaks or the the little slips or ums or it just makes it feel more more honest more more real yeah. or you can say be Todd and say that same thing but in reality <laughs> Todd doesn't like to edit <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Uh, sorry, Todd, if you're listening. Uh, he's probably going to be listening. I told him that I am interviewing you. Um, oh, wow. As well. you are an artist, he will be very interested in your perspective, even though it is not, you know, imaginal offerings. I think that's very important. Um, yeah. You are transgressing my expectations of you and uh, what role this plays in your life. Yeah, now I learned I, something. <laughs> well, I'm glad that uh, it had some, some sort of a hopefully positive influence on uh, your perspective of me. Yeah. Also, like we wanted to, uh, we we didn't know what we're going to talk about. So I'm like, okay, let's maybe talk about cryptids in Georgia. I don't want to muddy up this episode now with that. Yeah. Especially because you probably went on to Cryptidwick or something. You you don't know much about them. I don't know much about them. I know the Altamaha, ha, 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 whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only one I know. And Hogzilla, which is not really a cryptid. It's a giant pig that yeah, was killed. Yeah, just giant pig, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to muddy this conversation up with that because it's much more than 
just stupid cryptids from a cryptid wiki we don't know nothing about. Yeah, the the only one that I will say that I found, which I did end up drawing, just because, I mean, again, it's like one of the cryptids from my state is the, mm-hmm. the that Altamahaha. And okay. I thought you would find this just, I don't know if you, because you said you didn't really look into it that much, but there was actually a, like a hoax. By an artist from yeah, 2018, yeah. yeah. That was so fascinating to me because um, I then started looking into like more about her and like she tries to spark that myth making kind of things like like she was very into um, using all these she wouldn't even call them hoaxes and more more myth making like to to spark creativity in people and just make them wow. think more about things. Okay, so maybe the reason we did this episode now is so you can tell me this and so I can go seek out that person. Yeah, yeah. Show. Um, well, I, I don't know if they'll, because I know that from what I, I saw, like, they're very mysterious. Like, the, I don't think there's actually any uh, hmm. pictures of her. Like, I didn't do a super deep dive into Oh, I know, into, but, but, that, but. That, that sounds like something... Something that should be discussed on my show because my show is all about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured you'd you'd like that that yeah. little detail. I think I think Todd, when he hears this, would be will be very amazed that an yeah. artist is. From what I read, like she used a shark carcass and filled mm-hmm. it with something. Yeah, it was a a stuffed shark and paper mache. Uh huh. So is was it a real shark carcass or just like a toy or something? I want to say it was a real shark carcass because um, they, I mean, if you look at the the video or the photo, like it, it had guts spilling out of it. So mm-hmm. pretty sure wow. it was the actual like shark carcass. Uh, so we did Todd, Jordan, and I uh, jackalope uh, roundtable recently. I don't know when it's going to be out. Mm-hmm. I need to edit the heck out of that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we did talk about using remains of animals to create art. And hoax art. And that's essentially what's being done here with the Alta Mahaha. Yeah, I think, again, didn't read too much into it, but I think she was just trying to like bring that that story back to life. Like, Well, did, did you listen to my episode uh, with Todd about the Selbyville Swamp Monster? Yeah, yeah. So it's a hoax uh, revitalizing the myth. Mm-hmm, yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's basically what she, from what I understood about her, that's that's what she is very into, is bringing life to, to things. To well, dude, if, if I can't get contact with her established, mm-hmm. then I don't know, maybe myself, Todd, and you should do a roundtable about the Altamaha hoax <laughs> and how it inspired uh, the, the myth to resurface. I mean, if, if you can get in contact with her, I would be very interested to be a part of that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel icky now <laughs> because of this whole conversation. Like, I'm going to go stalk somebody because they did a hoax with a dead shark. Uh, no, it's not <laughs> like that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm going to look into that. Um, but it is something worth mentioning uh, w- with that artist or with that. Like, you, you know how Todd likes uh, Doc Shields now and <laughs> the whole <laughs> Loch Ness Monster hoaxing thing. Yeah, I, I'd listen to, I mean, both yours and his uh, episode with... Um... AP Strange. Strange. Yeah. Wow. Okay, man. Thank you uh, for this conversation. And now you've inspired me with so many different things. Huh. Awesome. This is why it's always cool to sit down and have conversations with fans. And I think this was a much more, you know, profound experience than anything we ever had as a co- conversation wise on, on Instagram and chats. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to just like, I mean, there's so much you want to say, but so little that you want to actually physically type out. Yeah, like, yeah. It's always reductionist. Exactly. Yes, yes. 
And also we're uh, imprinting this point in time and space, putting it out there. Maybe it inspires somebody. Maybe nobody listens to it. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's it's special to us, at least. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I mean, it's a meaningful conversation to me. I'm, you got me thinking about a lot of things, and especially with my art. Really questioning what I'm what I'm doing with it and what, what purpose other than for me, like, but but I mean, you're, I mean, still do it. Do, you're doing something and just do what you do. I I can now ponder and question what I'm doing with my podcast. I have no fucking clue, dude. I'm just doing what I do. And people are telling me like I am doing chaos magic without realizing it, and that hmm. I should just keep doing what I do because it's working. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not going to stop because it it's it's like my little my Pet my project. little bit of joy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I I have fun doing it, so it's not going to stop. I'm, I'm gonna oh yeah, going uh, I think I saw like bigger names are actually liking and commenting your work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely uh, you know little rushes of um oh my god adrenaline. Uh, yeah. Uh, my brain is just short circuiting from this whole conversation. It's interesting, like how just the like from from our strange skies, let's say, or a Bigfoot Collectors Club. You know, yeah. these big podcasts that you look up to, just liking your content and it it induces this rush of adrenaline in you that kinda chips away at, at your introvertedness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's just like it just feels so wild to see, especially like with you, like listening to you every time you post a, an episode and just actually getting to sit down and talk to you just feels so surreal. Like I keep yeah. every time I hear your voice, I keep expecting another voice to continue the conversation with you. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, should I be editing this? But I, I am going to edit this episode because I I had some goofs and you, you did, too. But yeah, that's OK. So I used to be a fan of podcasts until I started doing my own. Um, mm-hmm. And with this podcast, I was stuck in a place where I did not know what I'm doing at all and what I wanted to do. When I started this podcast, my only guest was Christina constantly. And then, you know, Landon, because we've been friends for two years, Autopsy Podcast, and some other people I chat with. And that's that. Um, but not until Jordan had me on his show and I had much bigger exposure and people, you know, contacting me that I... it was a very profound experience like guesting on his show and it revitalized my my interest in this and the second uh, more most profound uh, guest appearance was on six degrees of john keel Mm-hmm. Because that, uh, like, that opened so many doors for me. Where now I am, I'm being made aware that there is a whole community in this these paranormal circles that knows much more than me. Um, because I was constantly feeling stuck in the inside this bubble of superficiality, you know, just reading off cryptid wiki and reciting the same thing over and over again. You know, that mm-hmm. that type of content creation. And I'm thinking, wow, is there anything more to all this stuff, or is it just that? And not until you, you know, you you guess on Barbara's show and you're made aware of this whole community that is much deeper into this shit and that you now know that you do not know anything. Yeah. That it kind of revitalizes this interest like, wow, this is worth digging into because there is so much out there that I will never be able to grasp as much as I want to know. And that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like listening to your perspective is just so crazy. Well, obviously it would be much different from mine, but like, I know like when I do my art and like listen to to the podcast and anything in that vein, or even looking at like, I feel like everybody loves Todd Purse's art. Cause I mean, there's just something in it that just very archetypal. 
Yeah, and even I mean, you could just feel his essence in the art, like that that spark of just uh, I don't know something. Every now and then he'll have just a post that just strikes me to my like core. Whenever I do my art, like I, every now and again, I have that feeling of like that imposter syndrome where I'm like, like what what am I doing? Like I I wanna I wanna convey that feeling, but I don't know how to get to that point. Uh, I constantly feel that. Especially yeah. like when I was on Jordan's show, it was like imposter syndrome. And then on Barbara's, like being exposed to people who do all this much better than you and know much more than you. But then again, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful feeling. Like when you stagnate and when you reach a certain threshold where you're now questioning, like, am I the smartest guy in the room? And is there anything more above or is this this? Like, is it worth pursuing anything more in this? That That's a feeling I don't like. I like the feeling of being aware that there are much better people than me, that there is so much more knowledge than I can ever comprehend, and that I, it's okay to just go with the flow because I'll never know anything. Um, I can open myself up to learn and, and enjoy the journey and that there is something out there worth, you know, digging into. I mean, yeah, that's that's basically what each week I try to do is just, I mean, not with people, uh, although I guess the witness like statements and all the different cases that you find uh, that is technically, not technically, it is a person. I mean, it's someone who lived, who had this experience that you're then the, turning it into your own thing, your own, uh, recreating it as your own story perspective, uh, however you want to say it. But oh, did, um, did you listen to Rob Christopherson on Todd Purse's show recently? Yeah, I did. And the project they're doing, I think it's called Welcome UFO People. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, I, I'd love getting to see those every month. Yeah. And that that's a very important passion project because it is providing power back to the unsung heroes of the UFO world. These small cases that, you know, are forgotten. And just just by Rob writing up a script and, and Todd creating art of it, mm-hmm. they're they're paying homage to to these people. And empowering them now. So yeah. you can even do that with your own art, you know, mm-hmm. especially I mean, if you cover these one-off cases that nobody talks about. Like, even if you portray that monster, you are paying homage to to an imaginal creation of somebody who is forgotten in, in the annals of, of high strangeness. Yeah. I mean, that's what I try to do. At least if it, even if it's my small community of people that I know, if it, if it piques someone's interest and they actually decide to either go listen to the podcast that I'm referring to or or actually go look into the case and read about it and just like find out more about it maybe even impart more things to me that I didn't know about it I mean that that's the goal that's something that brings it would bring me joy I haven't had that happen but or as far as I know but it would be nice to to know that I at least had that little bit of an effect on someone is it because people did not tell you of the effect you had on them or is it maybe something internal from yourself that you're maintaining this barrier or wall around yourself um what what do you mean by like a wall or barrier uh well just as you do not want to engage with the high strangeness or paranormal too much maybe you do not want to go down the rabbit hole of accepting your influence on other people um maybe i mean that could be it maybe i just like uh 
now you're going to have me thinking about myself in, in, a, in a darker sense, but <laughs> I mean, maybe it's, yeah, it could possibly be me, like, I guess, in a way, knocking myself down before someone else maybe has the chance to, mm-hmm. yeah. Are you okay with that being in the episode? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think that's very sweet that you shared that very honestly. These are things that are worth, you know, talking openly about. I've gone through this like for years and years, just at least like if, if the person I'm talking with is not listening to me or providing anything constructive. And of course, like when I was going through these issues of self-doubt, I mean, I still do. You're dismissing anything positive that the other person says. Um, and, but at least you're bouncing a ball off them and, and kind of they're reflecting back at you, your own ideas. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's always like you are looking into a mirror that's reflecting yourself. I see the paranormal as that, you know? Yeah. 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 I know. I know you talk a lot about that. Like, like you're more interested in, in knowing what the experiencer was, was feeling rather than like necessarily. Well, I, I, I'm not interested in what they saw as much as why they saw it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Does anybody ever ask the experiencer, why do you think you saw that? Or why did you see it? Why did it present itself to you in that way? Nobody asks that. Because researchers, uh, if they ask that, a lot of experiencers would not even be open to talk with them. And then they, you know, don't have a book to write and (laughs) no money to earn. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the same time, it's like, I mean, what kind of answer? I feel like that that's a really hard answer to just come up with on the spot. Yeah, but but we, we can keep circle jerking each other and uh, playing with the superficiality of this, you know, scraping at the the surface covering of paint. But at one point you need to let loose of these infantile distractions and start acknowledging the real more deeper thing. I mean, related to the paranormal, we can keep talking about, Oh, what the goblins looked like. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> but at a certain point, you need to start asking why the goblins looked like that, or what, I mean, it, did you see the witness drawings? I think there yeah. are three of them, and all three are very different. Oh, actually, no. I guess I hadn't seen all all three witness mm-hmm. drawings. I don't. I only see the. I'd only seen the like. I guess the one most famous one. The one that looks like mm-hmm. it has nipples for eyes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were two <laughs> other drawings that looked very much more gobliny uh, with large ears and even a nose and antenna. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to look into that now because oh, yeah. that might and, and one of one of the drawings had some kind of goggles and and a whole outfit. So it's like three people saw three different things. And I'd be asking, "Okay, yeah. what why did you see this? What does it say about you?" It's yeah, a reflection I mean, of yourself and your biases yeah. and your contexts. I definitely say that that like that whole how the paranormal is definitely a very personal experience and like I mean especially obviously proven with that but just like with other cases how some people will see something but then the person literally sitting right next to them won't see anything there mm-hmm. and how even with like the the whole missing time where I mean it it's just like focused on that specific person and I mean it it, it just makes it very personal obviously because I mean if it's only on you then i mean you have nobody else to to feed off of but you and whatever experience you're going through yeah okay man so i hope you do not feel like i stripped you naked here and (laughs) exposed you to the world (laughs) no no i mean all these all these questions and uh, i mean like i said i mean everything that we talked about i mean it was really good to 
to think about and I'll definitely be thinking about it more throughout the week. And hmm. I mean, seeing how maybe even giving more thought to the drawings that I do and thinking about why, why I'm choosing that one, why I'm doing that. So, I mean, maybe you should helped. be asking yourself that after you do the drawing and not while you're doing the drawing. Just do what you need to do. Go with the creative flow as Todd Purse. Like, you think that Todd Purse is every day intricately thinking about every single detail he's going to draw. Like, he draws new art every single day. Yeah. But then when you do this, like, even through divine inspiration or while in a trance, like, oftentimes, you know, he says that he has missing time after he. <laughs> he draws something. Yeah. Um, th then you can analyze your drawing and see, ah, why is it like that? You know, definitely have to put that into practice. Yeah, but but I want to say, like, if you're if you're now meticulously, analytically trying to draw something, that's not an honest drawing. No, no, it's just yeah. you trying to control it more. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm more so saying just thinking about like putting more of a intent, like really thinking about why I want to cover that case, maybe or. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll probably try to focus more on like what you're saying, like think about after it's finished, look at it and really think about like, well, why did I decide to do it this way? Like, like, uh, like even the veggie man, like I, I chose to portray him more like the, the actual like eyewitness sketch, but also he's, he's definitely a lot more, um, fey like in my opinion, compared to like other drawings or artworks that I've seen by other people. Like, yeah, he, it feels more, um, like I mean, the I green guess, man. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know because, I mean, the green man is, to me, is very, uh, the depictions of it, well, no, because older depictions are more fae-like, but, like, I feel like the green man of, like, recent is more, nate like, built from nature and, like, uh, mm -hmm. like foliage. Plant-like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, man. Uh, oh, man, I wanted to say something and I forgot. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to say this. So the drawing that you did of the uh, Linda Cortile Napolitano case, though it is probably a hoax mm -hmm. done for, for money because Bud wanted to get his hands on money. <laughs> and probably um, so did she. And so did she. Um, uh, I still think it's a very important piece, even if now like we can analyze it and say, oh, that was misguided because you were inspired by something that is a hoax, blah, 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 not knowing. But then again, because you did that, I told you, I was telling you about the whole background of the case. And then I told you, you know what, let, let's do an episode together. <laughs> let's talk about it. And now you are here on my show because of that. So everything you do uh, is a breadcrumb that leads you to the next breadcrumb and so on and so on. So uh, don't even dwell too much on why you did your art some way if it leads you somewhere else. Like if your art is leading you forward towards something else, move forward and don't look back as much. I mean, yeah, this, I mean, I guess I see no difference in doing uh, an artwork of that case or like compared to the Hodag or, oh man, I'm blanking on that case. The Jackalope. That you did with Todd. Or yeah, or the Jackalope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for the end, can you tell my listeners where they can find you? I post all my artwork to um, Instagram. Uh, my tag would be Chris uh, spelled with a K underscore Galeano, G-A-L-E-A-N-O. I mean, you could probably look at the, the title of the episode, mm -hmm. but yeah, I post it to there and my Facebook, but I mean, really, I mostly focus on my Instagram. That's that's where you can find me. Yeah, and I will link that in the episode notes. Thank you so much, man, for being so honest and open, even though you are in the spotlight and we're talking about some 
heavy shits. Um, no, yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, it was it was honestly a blast. Like, I'm I'm really happy that you gave me the chance to come on and just have an honest conversation, have an experience together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. man. <laughs> I'm just not worried. Like the more I, I am so, uh, like this with people, like, like it's therapy or something, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to have listeners like criticize me. What are you doing with these people? You're going way too personal. No, I mean, I, you have to strike down, maybe not strike down. That sounds a little aggressive, but you, like you have to get to the core of things to understand like what you're doing or why you're doing it. So you asking all those questions just helps me understand things a little better and kind of get more introspective than I have been. So I yeah. like, I I'm grateful. Yeah. Uh, recently I heard Jeremy Vaney on uh, where did the road go? I think, or dreamland say that, uh, we, we should start, uh, utilizing honest storytelling. I think that's the most important thing. Like just, just sitting down and honestly talking about these things, what they mean to us, what they say about us and not trying to talk about the paranormal in the sense, Oh, a monster out there that I'm going to hunt down and shoot down. Yeah. I mean, that, that right there makes me think of the episode that I want to say was the most recent episode of six degrees of John Keel that uh, Barbara had with professor Wham, Mm -hmm. how they were just talking about that specific, like just the honesty and the truth that like, I mean, putting stories out there, like you, you just always have to speak the truth because I mean, it will, it will take on a life of its own. So whether it's, the truth or not, it, it will come back. And the, I mean, th- that topic was very important to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, man. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, of, of course, we're going to be <laughs> chatting uh, mm-hmm. and continuing our conversation. And uh, I'm going to nag at uh, Todd to listen to this episode when it's out. Okay. Well, I, I hope he enjoys it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye-bye, man. Bye.